Would you move up a couple rows? If you're sitting further back, move up a couple rows. Please. All right. Uh, one of the things we, <clears throat> one of the gifts we have for dads, if we got any dads in the house, how many dads in the house we got? All right, we have a coffee mug for you. City Church International Dad's Day 2016. Larry, come on up. This one's yours. All right. We got a bunch of them in the CCI Cafe right in the back. There you go. And we should have some coffee back there for you to uh, pour into that cup uh, right after the service. Uh, We'd love to make sure everybody gets one of those, especially dads. Bring one home. I, I have one of those from a few years ago, and it's one of my favorite mugs. It says, Father, uh, let all that you do be done in love, City Church, and uh, I drink out of it a lot. So it's my go-to coffee mug. Everybody needs a go-to coffee mug if you're a coffee drinker. Um, so glad everybody's here, that it's here tonight. Um, this is awesome. This is a delight, uh, a desire fulfilled for me to see... Um, to see a church being planted and started in this community and see God working here and us to be able to be a part of what he's doing in this neighborhood. What, a, what an awesome thing. So um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about this, this week, uh, loving people like Jesus does or Jesus did. Um, our vision statement here at City Church is to know Jesus. Is what, that's what we talked about last week. To know Jesus Love people and impact your world. And so we want to be about that here. We want to make sure everybody here knows Jesus. We want this community to know Jesus. God forbid that anybody should hear the fearful words, Depart from me, I never knew you, from the lips of Jesus on that day. We want to be people who know Him, who are walking with Him, and are making Him known. And when we know Him, we're going to love Him, and we're going to love other people. Knowing Jesus changes everything. I I was brought to tears last Sunday morning just thinking about what life was like before I came to know Jesus. There was a lot of anger and hatred that I had in my heart. A lot of um, uh, uh, purposelessness, despair, frustration, um, and just this emptiness. And I came to know Jesus and that, that changed everything. Of course, I didn't become perfect. How many of y'all know that you don't become uh, flawless once you become a Christian? Like there's no more, no more sins at all. All right? No more, uh, uh, things, irritations and, and so on. Now our sins are washed away, right? All our sins are forgiven, right? We believe that. But yet we walk out this process called sanctification. And a part of that process is learning to love like God loves us. Learning to love like God loves us. Here at City Church, we believe that Jesus is our ultimate example and that he calls us to live like him, to do the things that he did, to love people the way that he did. And so that's what we're going to look at. If you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. So I'm going to go ahead and just read here, starting in verse 1 through 17. 
And actually, would you all stand with me with, for the reading of God's Word? Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were with Him in the world, He loved them to the very end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and he was going back to God, he rose up from supper, he laid aside his garments, taking a towel, and he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall, not, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, and Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are, not, you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put, out, put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here we have Jesus getting close to the end of his life. Uh, Jesus is, uh, he's been ministering for about three years. He had 12 disciples that he invested his life into. He displayed love to them. And the scripture says that in verse 1, that Jesus... He loved his own who were with them. He loved them to the very end. Jesus loved them to the very end. So this, this statement is setting us up for what's about to happen. This is a snapshot of glory. Of Jesus, the sovereign king, humbling himself down to wash dirty, stinky feet. To clear out the disciples' toe jam. Okay? To, to get down there where their feet were, and, and they, they didn't have nice paved roads like we have. They had to walk through dirt roads with sandals on, heat ex, sun expo, their feet being exposed to the sun. They probably had some funky feet, y'all. All right, ladies, if you think your husband's feet are bad, uh, I'm sure the disciples' feet trumped them. Okay. Dirty, stinky feet. And this was the job of a servant. The lowest servant would do this kind of thing. So this is baffling. This is a paradigm shift. This is totally radical and different than what the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day would have done or expected. 
Jesus was outside of the box here. He was changing the thinking of his disciples. And it should happen for us as well today as we look at his example. The sovereign king becoming a servant. He loved him. He loved his own who were with him and he loved them to the very end. So here's where we're going. Here's the big idea. The big idea is this, is that loving others like Jesus requires us to humble ourselves and do undesirable tasks to serve others. And it requires us to first recognize and receive his love for us. That's where we're going tonight. Okay? Um, first of all, just want to point out that that Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. Jesus was sovereign. He had, uh, verse 3 says that, um, he had, knowing that, that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and he was going back to God. Jesus knew who he was. You would think at this point he would have kicked back and raised up his feet to be washed or rubbed by the disciples. But no. So this, this statement, I, I want us to feel the weight of the majesty and meekness in this text. Okay, the, the high, exalted, sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He, he could have rightfully said, serve me guys, right? But he said that he didn't come to be served. Mark 10.45, he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus did it. Jesus modeled it for us, and he did it to the very end. Now, just so you all know, Jesus probably wasn't feeling all too great at this point. Okay? In chapter 12, he, verse 27, he says, My soul is troubled within me. Jesus started realizing, or he knew, he knew what was up. Okay, He was second person of the Trinity. He knew that his end was coming in, 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 the, in this world. Uh, verse 1 says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. That means Jesus knew was about what was about to happen. He was about to be crucified on a cross. And he told his disciples this would happen. This was no surprise to Jesus, no surprise to the Father. It wasn't like a, a, a God was like, oh, what do, I, what do I do? They're killing my son. God planned this to save us. And Jesus knew what the plan was. And he, he probably... Well, we know that in the garden he begins to pray and the pressure in his soul comes down so much <clears throat> that he begins to sweat drops of blood. And Jesus even says, Father, is there any way for this cup to pass? He says, nevertheless, but not my will, but yours be done. I don't know about you, but when, when I am not feeling well and pressure is being put upon my soul... It's not my natural inclination, inclination to think about other people. My natural inclination when pressure is coming upon my soul and I feel in my body, I got a stuffy nose, a headache, a stomach ache. I just want to lay down and suck my thumb and just watch a, a movie, right? I'm just kidding. I don't suck my thumb. 
My, my kids do. My, my, my son and daughter do. That's what my son and daughter does. When, he's, when they're not feeling well, they just you know, curl up and suck their thumb and they just want to be left alone. They want the, the pain to go away. The pressure to go away. That's our natural inclination. But this kind of love that Jesus displayed for, to his disciples and that we see before us in this text is totally different than what this world offers. This kind of love is radical that Jesus would not be thinking about himself and his own comfort as the pressure started to come upon his soul. That he was thinking about others. He was thinking about pleasing the Father and bringing glory to the Father and saving your soul and my soul. And he even prayed in John 17, which is this same setting. 13, John 13 through 17, okay? Jesus has this dialogue with his disciples. In 17, we have Jesus, God the Son, talking with God the Father, this holy of holies moment. And he says, Father, glorify your name. And he prays for those who the Father had given him, uh, but also those who would come to believe through their word, through their testimony. Anybody fall in that category? Have you come to believe? through the, the, the preaching of the Word or the, the, the inspired Word of God that was communicated to you and you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only hope for your salvation, He prayed for you and me. In, in, in the darkest hour of Jesus' life, when the pressure was coming upon Him, He didn't turn inward and start seeking His own comfort. He fought that pressure. Even when he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus bore his cross and he calls us to do the same. Um, so in this passage, Jesus rises up and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He goes low. The sovereign king goes low. This is Philippians chapter 2. Okay? That though he was God, he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and he became a servant, taking the, the form of flesh. And he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death and death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. This is where the theology of Philippians 2, I believe, is based out of right there. The sovereign king humbling himself, becoming a servant, washing feet, and we have a beautiful snapshot of glory. And then in, in the midst of this, Jesus says, guys, you've got to do what I do. I'm your Lord and teacher, right? And that's rightly so. You call me Lord and teacher. That's good. That's right. But I've washed your feet. If I, your Lord and Master, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. This is Christianity. This is what it looks like to love those around us, to serve them in very practical ways, right? Um, you know, I, um, I, I kind of jokingly uh, made the statement that we're going to start doing feet washing. Uh, we did this for Mother's Day, by the way. Um, uh, when we had our very first service, our pre-launch service in here, we had, um, we had the, the husbands wash the wife's feet on Mother's Day. Uh, you know, husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church, right? So we had the husbands wash the wife's feet. Since it's Father's Day, I was thinking we could do something, uh, flip it around, and maybe have the mothers and, and uh, wives wash the dad's feet. 
I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That was a joke. That was a joke. You know, my, um, my wife made sure to let me know this week as I was preparing for this message that she needed a foot rub. Um, she, and she, <laughs> she communicated that to me. You know, there's a lot of practical ways that we can, we can wash one another's feet. Now, we're, we're not walking around in sandals and dirt roads and, you know, and, and you walk into your house and your feet aren't caked with mud around them. Uh, and, um, but there's a lot of other practical ways that we can do this text. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about those. Let's, before I go on to this next um, little section here, I want to just point out this. that um, Verse 6. Peter, I love Peter. He is, um, you know, he's always opening his mouth and, and kind of, he's on the, you know, stepping out of the boat. And he seems to be, you know, hindering Jesus' analogy, his lesson here. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples a lesson in humility and servanthood. And he's like, no, you can't wash my feet, Lord. You know, he probably gets a little embarrassed, like, this, this shouldn't be like this. Um, and Jesus gives Peter some strong words. Uh, he says, he, um, he says, Simon Peter, he said, if, 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 if I don't wash your feet, let me see here, verse 8, if I do not wash you, you shall have no share with me. That's pretty strong there. If, I don't, if you don't let me do this, Peter, you have no part, no share with me. I mean, it seems a little extreme here. I mean, Peter could have, I, I could picture Peter th- be thinking, uh, come on, Jesus, this is not an essential, okay? This is not a major, uh, you know, doctrine of salvation. You've got to let me wash your feet. Come on, man. What? Okay, so Peter says, okay, wash, wash everything. Okay, if, if, I, if you need to wash my feet, if, if to, that I'm tight with you, go ahead and give me a whole bath. You know, and, and there goes the extreme um, Peter's uh, coming out there in that. Um, and Jesus makes this statement here. So he's teaching something deeper. So there's a couple lessons in here. There's one, the, the servanthood, that, that those in authority, those in places of leadership, i.e. dads, all you dads, should go low. And serve those who are under your care and under your authority. By the way, Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And he, with that authority, with his identity secure in who he was, he served. And I think that's important, by the way. I think you and I, men and women, to be able to serve like this, we need to know who we are in Christ and be secure in that. Because if your identity is wrapped up in who you are or who you're perceived to be by others, you're not going to go low like Jesus. Okay? But if your identity is wrapped up in Jesus, that Christ is your life, that you stand by His grace and you're saved by His grace and you're kept by His grace and He is your Savior, He is your Lord, you're a child of God. If your identity is wrapped up in that, it should free you up to go low and wash feet and not worry about what anybody else thinks around you. You can look silly. You can look foolish. You can fail trying to follow God and serve God and take big risks for God because you know who you are and you know whose you are. We need that deep within us. Amen? And Jesus knew who He was. 
And he knew where he was going. He knew how he was to live, what he was to be about. And Jesus is our example. Amen. So loving others like Jesus requires us to humble ourselves and do the undesirable task. Um, Let's just think about what are some of those undesirable tasks that nobody wants to do that we can... So let me speak to dads. Okay, and we got several dads with young children. How about changing diapers? <laughs> How's that? Anybody want to change a diaper? Me and my wife had this kind of funny thing where we go when our little girl, our third child, has a dirty diaper. We'll kind of ask her, Abby, who do you want to change your diaper, mommy or daddy? Mommy or daddy? It usually goes towards mommy because she loves mommy so much. But I do change diapers. Some dads don't change diapers. Some dads, are just, for whatever reason, they don't do it. That's a practical way to serve like Jesus in your home. How about wash dishes? Okay? Wash dishes. All right, I see some, some nudges there. You ladies are liking this, huh? Wash some dishes. How about take out the trash? How about send an encouraging word or a note to somebody? Or just communicate an encouraging word to someone. Speak gospel truth over people. Affirm them. Encourage them. Think about them. Take enough time out of your day to think about somebody else to impart grace into their life through your words. I think there's plenty of ways that we can wash one another's feet. Uh, now, there are some traditions like the Mennonites who continue to do this practice. Like, they took this literally. Like, Okay, we're, we're going to wash feet like Jesus did. I think the second day at Venice, do it, um, Adventist, do it quarterly. Um, I was kind of joking around with the, with the team on our pre-launch meeting when we washed the, the wife's feet, the husband's did. I said, guys, we're, we're not going to change communion for, for foot, foot washing every week, right? Okay, I'm, I'm great with us doing communion every week, but if we, if we did a foot washing every week, we, we'll probably have some folks not coming back, right? But nevertheless, I want to be known as a church. I want us to be known as a feet-washing church. Okay, not that we're actually, you know, unless somebody really needs them to be washed, you know. Or, or, um, but that, that we're living out this life of servanthood and love for one another in such a way that, that people see it. That people notice and say, hey, they must be like Jesus followers, <laughs> They just love to serve people. They love people. They must really be following Jesus. There's something different about these guys. And that's how Jesus said we would be known as his followers. That's our badge of discipleship. We'll look at that verse uh, at at the end here. Um, So Jesus, in the midst of his lesson, Peter kind of objects, and Jesus has to give him a strong word like, hey, if I don't wash you, then you have no share with me. Peter's like, okay, wash everything, okay? Verse 10, he says, uh, the one who has bathed does not need to, be, to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are, you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that's why he said, not all of you are clean. So check this out. Jesus is teaching something a little deeper here. Um, he, he switches over to the spiritual, Okay? He says, you're, you're clean. If you're a follower of Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus, 
You've been born again. You've been converted. You've become a Christian. You've had a bath, spiritually speaking. You've been made clean. John 15, Jesus says, you're clean through the words that I've spoken to you. We've heard the words of Christ. We believe we've been made clean. We're clean. We've had a bath, spiritually speaking. Okay? Jesus says there's one of his twelve that are not clean. Speaking of Judas, right? So he's speaking spiritually. Uh, and, and yet, they needed their feet to be washed. And so here's the, here's the analogy. So as Christians, we're clean, but yet we walk around in this world that's, that's dirty spiritually, filled with sin and brokenness, and our feet get dirty, right? We need our feet to be washed and clean, right? So how do we do that? How do we get our feet clean? First John 1 John 1, 1.7, If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I've said that 1 John 1, 9 is the Christian bar of soap. Alright? If you need to get clean, apply 1 John 1, 9. Now, when you became a Christian, you got clean. You had a bath, spiritually speaking. Okay? But then we still sin, right? No, nobody here is going to say, I'm perfect. I never sin anymore since I've become a Christian. Alright? First John says, uh, you're a liar if you, if you say that. If we say we have no sin, uh, then we deceive ourselves. and we, we, We're a liar. So we need the gospel just as much as when we first came to Christ. We need the gospel to continue to cleanse us, to wash us, to change us. So Jesus, in verse 13 and 14, says that you've got to follow his example. Um, so... I, I want to bring this to a practical level uh, for us. Um, last year, I started something called the John the Baptist Challenge. How many of y'all remember that? Those of y'all who are I'm friends with on Facebook or um, those you know me at church, I preached on John the Baptist last year, and I uh, challenged several people to uh, do one of the things that John the ba- or two of the things that John the Baptist did, and one, one of them was eat locusts. So. Um, one night, the night before I was going to preach on John the Baptist, there was a locust, actually it was a cicada on my front porch, and I was like, all right, Lord, I'll do it. I'll identify with John the Baptist, I'll put this thing down with some honey, and then I was thinking, I'm not going to go out alone, I'm going to challenge a few other people with this. And so I, I challenged a few other people, and several people have taken up the challenge to eat a locust, or preach a John the Baptist kind of message and then post it on their social media and challenge others to do the same. And so there's several folks that, um, that took the challenge up, but a lot of people didn't. I was hoping that there would be like some viral, you know, some you know, domino effect that, you know, everybody would become locust-eating folks and pre- that the gospel would be preached, like John the Baptist who said, Behold the Lamb of God. And I was hoping there would be something like that to have an impact. I'll, I'll do silly stuff to reach people with the gospel. But the Jesus challenge, okay, that's John the Baptist, all right? How about the Jesus challenge? Can you reject that? Come on now. We're talking about Jesus here. Of course nobody wants to be like John the Baptist, right? Or most people don't, right? Like, he's kind of weird. Camel hair, uh, eating locusts, bugs in his teeth. I mean, come on. 
But Jesus, we were singing it tonight. All I want, all I need, more of you, less of me. Did you mean that? Because I got a challenge for you if you did. The challenge is from Jesus' words in John 13, 14, and 15. If I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Okay, so, we're not going to wash feet tonight. I'm just going to, if anybody's kind of like scared and nervous, is he going to wash feet tonight? Okay, Um, but I'm going to challenge you guys. I posted this on my Facebook right when the service started, and I'm going to tag at least 12 of you. Um, So here's how the challenge goes. I'm going to just read it to you. I would love to get a little domino effect, something going to move people towards being like Jesus, and I want it to start here with City Church Garland. Here's the Jesus challenge right here. Jesus commanded his disciples to wash one another's feet, John 13, 14, 15, following his example. He also commanded them to love one another like he loved them. I want to challenge you, Mark De Los Santos, uh, Kevin Diaz, Larry Coleman, Adam Wosfeld, Tyree Mobley, Chad Bradley, uh, Mike Ward. I want to challenge, and, and you ladies, Terry Ward, uh, uh, Kathy Coleman, Kendall Dollar, Amanda Lejeune, Andrew Lejeune. That's probably more than 12, right? Okay, so I want to challenge you with this command that Christ gave his disciples. So here, here's how it goes. Go serve somebody, especially those uh, who might be under your care or authority. So parents, that would be your children. Um, if you're an employer or you're a supervisor, that would be anybody that's under your leadership. Uh, and every Christian has authority in Christ, right? You're, you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places and go serve somebody. Go walk out the gospel. Let them demonstrate love for someone by doing practical things to serve them and let them know that they are loved. This could include washing dishes, taking out the trash, babysitting. All the parents with young children said, yes, babysitting. Changing diapers, mowing a lawn, fixing a car, giving an encouraging word, giving a ride, praying for someone, sending a card or a note, visiting someone in the hospital or even in jail, etc., The second part of the challenge is then challenging 12 other people on your social media to do the same by tagging or mentioning them in a post with the words of John 13, 14, and 15 on it. Make sure to use the hashtag, the Jesus challenge. All right, so that's it. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. If if you want... uh, Feel, you can you can cut and paste that. I posted that on my Facebook page. I'll put it on City Church's Facebook page, and you can just cut and paste that and share that. Challenge folks. There's a picture with that quote of John 13, 14, and 15 on it. Use it, and let's start a Jesus movement. The second one, right? There's a Jesus movement in the 70s. Okay, let's do it. Let's start another G, the second wave of the Jesus movement. Um, So loving others like Jesus requires us to humble ourselves and do the undesirable task. Um, Here's the second part of this, and this is is huge. I want us to get this. John 13, 34 and 35 says this. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So here's my point. 
loving others like Jesus requires us to first recognize and receive his love for us. We need to receive this. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Just take note of that. Love one another as I have loved you. Okay? How has Jesus loved you? Faithfully? Perfectly? He's humbled himself. He's used his authority and his power and his greatness to serve you and I. Love one another as I have loved you. He's been gracious to us and patient with us and forgiving and forbearing with us. As Pastor Mike shared during our communion message in Colossians 3, uh, 13, that we're to forgive one another, forbear one another, even as Christ has forgiven us. We're to treat one another better than we deserve. That's how Jesus has loved us, right? He's treated us better than we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we would be dead in hell. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're to love one another as Jesus has loved us. If, we don't, if you don't have 50 bucks, you can't give it away to somebody. If you don't first receive the love of God, that, the, the love that God has for you, then you don't have it to give out to others. And and let me just say this. When you become a Christian, though, you get a deposit of God's love. Romans 5.5. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into your hearts. Okay? But be assured that you're not like perfected in love the day you become a Christian. There's still room to grow. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed in Philippians 1, I pray that your love may abound more and more. Why? Because there's room for you to grow in love. To become more loving. Okay, And this is how we do it. We, we take note of how Jesus has loved us, how the Father has loved us. I love, there's a quote um, by Tim Keller that says that, that we're, we're far more flawed and, and broken and sinful than we ever dared to believe, yet we're more loved and accepted than we ever um, hoped to believe, something like that. Um, God loves us deeply. Jesus loves us He loved his disciples to the very end. He went to the cross for us. May this cause a domino effect in our lives to live out lives of love for other people. May we be known for our love. May may our love for one another be like a badge of discipleship. You know, like a police officer has a badge, you know? And you see the badge, like, oh, he's the real deal, right? Versus like a... Like if a security guard or another kind of badge. But when you see, I'm not dissing anybody who's a security guard, but just saying, when you see the, the Dallas police badge, you know that's the real deal, okay? Don't, don't be messing around with this guy. He's, he's an authority established by God, right? We honor those in authority. And, and, and when people see our love for one another, it, it helps them, it, it, it authenticates us before their eyes. They, they see us and they think, this person is the real deal. This person is the real deal. They love like Jesus loved. That's what I want us to be known for. A church that loves one another. But it starts with us first receiving God's love for us. And we see that at the cross. We see that in what Christ has done for us. He demonstrated his love for us. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God right there manifested for us.
And so how can we not give it away to one another? First, everybody knows John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. What about 1 John 3.16? By this we know love because He laid down His life for us. So we ought to lay down our life for the brothers, for one another. Amen? That's the gospel effect. That's the domino effect on the life of one who comes to Jesus, believes in Jesus. And so may we take up the Jesus challenge to love like He loved us, to wash one another's feet, to live lives like this, to daily do this, and then challenge other people, at least 12 other people, right? Jesus had 12 disciples. Let's challenge at least 12 other people to do the same. Amen? Kevin, would you come up and worship team? We're going to respond. In closing, as we're talking about the love of God and His love for us, and I just want to pray for anybody who is convicted that you haven't been doing this. You haven't been loving like Jesus loves you. And you need God to just break through in your heart. You, you need a miracle in your heart. You need healing. Maybe there's just some um, uh, numbness or, or hardness. Uh, that You need the love of the Father to come in. The love of God to come in. And when we, when we see Him, Jesus said in John 17, 26, He said, Father, I've declared your name to them and I will declare it so that the love that you loved me with would be in them. Jesus declared what the Father was like. He displayed it. If you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. He displayed it. He declared it. You saw God in the flesh. When we read John 13, we see God in the flesh serving humanity. And we need to behold Him in that and be changed by beholding Him. Receive His love for us. Let Him fill us with His love. And I want to pray for anybody like that tonight that just needs that breakthrough in your heart, in your life. Maybe there's somebody here who hasn't, you you haven't initially received the love of God through believing the gospel and receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is a great time to do that. respond the father loves us God I I thank you for the way that you've loved us you're a good good father and I praise you that you sent your son that he saves our souls that he came and he served humanity he served us he prayed for us he laid down his life for us so that we can experience waves of grace and mercy and love from you, God. And so, God, would you remove any dam, any blockage right now tonight in any life here, any blockage from receiving your love like a river, a mighty river flowing into their lives and through their lives.
the love of God in your life feels like a lake where there's no inflow or outflow, I want to pray for you. You need rivers of living water flowing in and through your life. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch a treasure How great the pain of searing love the Father turned His face 